This episode of Youth Ministry Booster Podcast is brought to you by Grow Curriculum. Grow Curriculum, not just good curriculum, a great strategy to grow your youth ministry. See what a thousand other churches have learned, that when you go with Grow, your youth ministry grows, and so do you. Visit youthministrybooster.com and click the Curriculum tab to see how you can get Grow and Youth Ministry Booster Coaching and Mastermind Network for one amazing price. Episode uh, 130 of the Adventure Booster Podcast, talking about student leadership fail. So this is our wrap-up for a month of talking about student leadership, and I think one of the most important topics that we could talk about related to student leadership is maybe when it goes wrong. So the last couple of weeks we've been talking about student leadership, why it's important, how to develop an excellent program for student leadership, and then this week we're going to talk about what do we do when it doesn't go right. I mean, we can talk for days uh, about like the programming elements of like tweaking and fixing like the ways in which we recruit leaders and we train leaders, but there is this human relational element of choice. And for some of our students that are involved in student leadership, they're going to choose to not just opt out, but maybe fail out or burn out or quit out of whatever we have for them. And I think for, for, for Kristen and Chad today, I just want to open up the conversation first and foremost of what is a fail? I think, I think this is one of those, it could be a moving definition for some people, but what does it mean to be let down or have like maybe a feeling of betrayal, but like in student leadership, I think there's a couple different maybe iterations or versions, but if we're talking about a fail, what are maybe some ideas or categories that we can kind of help put underneath that big word? Yeah. Well, I, I think when we when we think of our students failing, one, as we think about our leadership students, right, this may be uh, a formal or informal set of, of students, right? Like this may not, this may be larger than just the students that like serve in your sound booth, right? These are like your, our core students, mm. students that we've really invested time into. The visible the, ones. Yeah. 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 Um, but when we talk about fail specifically for this episode, um, I, I think that there's that one end of of like you have a meeting and there's that kid that always shows up late, right? Like that's an obvious fail. But but for this episode, I think what we're going to focus on a lot more and a little bit deeper um, are those fails that end up either um, are like moral failures on a student's behalf, right? Where like, man, they just, they choose a path that you never thought that they would walk down um, for their life. It breaks their heart in those kind of ways. Um, but then also the student that like, they've just checked out completely yeah. at one point, right? They were one of your core students and now they never show up, right? Mm-hmm. Or they choose, you know, the the student ministry across town or whatever that looks like. And, and so I think there's some feelings um, that can go along with that. Kristen, for you, what, what's how would you kind of uh, categorize and define some of the things related to student ministry fail? Yeah, and I think going into it knowing that um, you know that it, they will fail. You know, um, I think over the years I've just um, learned to let go of that a little bit because it can, I think for a youth pastor, be pretty personal. You know, it's like after everything I've done for you, you know, or um, after everything we've been through and I've had those moments of you ungrateful little, you know, like where it's just like, (laughs) 
man, I pulled so many strings and so many phone calls and so many late nights and, and mm. you're still not getting it. And I think that we can, um, take it so personally. And I think that's one area where we kind of go into like youth pastor, like dark zone, you know, where we can yeah. become like, disproportionately discouraged. Now, when we love somebody, we don't want to see them fail, of course, so there will be that degree of disappointment. But I think going into it knowing whether it's a core student, whether it's an intern, whether it's a volunteer, whether it's a leadership kid, whether it's, um, you know, who, whoever we're pouring into, um, those failures will come. But I think the, yeah. the rule to start out with in the mindset is it is not personal. <laughs> it's not okay. a failure yeah, against yeah, yeah. us. It's not a betrayal against our leadership. It's not um, somehow we didn't do enough, pray enough, or be there enough for that person. But to see the failure, um, you know, as part of their spiritual journey, I think each one of us can look back to a time where we were MIA from the church, um, yeah. where we did, um, you know, choose a path of rebellion rather than um, a path of obedience. But um, what God did with us personally in that time, um, you know, is um, is our story. And we have to let this, mm. these kids and our leaders and our interns, we need to let it be their story, not our story. Mm. So it's not, it's not about us, you know? And I think that's a good mindset to just know right off the bat. <laughs> I, I agree with you completely um, that, that we want to get to that place. I think that's sometimes harder like than it than it may sound though for some people right like what are your thoughts zach why do you think for some youth ministers it does become and feel so personal because it's the job right like that's i think that's kind of the thing and for a lot of folks is like it's the job to see students grow and, and and failure often feels like it's the regression from the growth and i think i mean it's um, it's the parent whose kid doesn't make the team anymore for sports, right? Like it's, it's the parent who, you know, middle school, their kid was tall and great at basketball because they were tall. And then for whatever reason, they're not making the JV or varsity squad. And so they feel like, man, what's wrong? Like, why can't my kid make the team? Like, come on, like they were, they used to play. Why don't they play anymore? And, and I think for us, like as youth ministry leaders, like, like, we just assume that the trajectory for growth is always up and to the right, right? You know, whatever, like whatever the direction is, like it's just going to always continue to get better. And we don't understand that there's going to be either rocky times or like difficult seasons or, or maybe even like just across the board, if we're trying to minister to multiple people, I mean, what's Jesus's ratio, right? Like one out of 12 will not, not just kind of let you down, but really, really let you down. And, and then even if you want to parse into, and I think it's right for this weekend, this kind of Easter, Good Friday, weekend like there's like the judas and the peter betrayal on that same weekend i think we're always quick to talk about how like the one out of 12 like judas is the ultimate betrayer but like peter is the denouncer right like the guy who was inner circle still in the same weekend as judas finds a way to be like no no that ain't me and so like how do you supposed to feel about that as well and i just i I think for us as ministry leaders like we we equate uh, we talk about this a lot on the show success health expectations success 
if it's not just numbers in the seats, because we, we know it's more than just butts and chairs, well, then the other direction to swing the pendulum is success is the growth of our students. And so if we're not adding more butts and chairs and we have some students that are getting set back or choosing differently or, or, or making poor moral choices, then it feels like we're failing on both fronts. Like we have no winning metrics left. And so I think for a lot of folks, especially ministers that are maybe in that year three to year seven mark, we're like, all right, I'm over it. It's not just about numbers. It's not just about programs. It's about growing great leaders. And then that first wave of like the kid who was a seventh and eighth grader who was like your little buddy or she was amazing and she sang and she let out and they hit junior year and they get that cruddy boyfriend and you're like, we've lost it. She's lost it all. Like all of it's gone now because she's spending more time with the jack of a like jerk of a boyfriend than she is spending time at church and we 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 begin to kind of like feel like what we had planted is no longer what we're seeing at harvest and it it's hard man because like that's that's what that's what the job is is relationships and and that's both a really exciting thing and then also a really mixed bag when it comes to the ways in which those things have outcomes so so what do we do when we start to have those feelings so that's my question to you guys. And Kristen kind of said it earlier, and I, I want to hear more. I, do we have the right to feel betrayed? And I, I think that word is maybe a heavy word. Maybe it's too too much sometimes. But I think for some of us that have, have poured time and pieces of our life into students, I mean, if you've been ministering the same place for a year or multiple years, or I know for some of us that we have talked about youth ministry as being like a decade or more of our life, like it can feel like, you know, these are our kids. And if they've chosen otherwise or they've opted out or whatever it may be, we can feel like we have not just been like let down or deflated, but like they have like turned on us. And like, I mean, at what level are we allowed to feel like, what is the depth of appropriate response to feel when a student lets you down? I think that's a really hard question. And I think that there, I don't really think that there's a right answer, but I can just speak personally for how it's played in for me of, um, being able to do ministry for the long haul, um, I've just had to change my perspective a little bit, you know, on yeah. what, who I am in their life and what my role is and what my role isn't. And I remember, you know, early on, so many parents would come up to me just hysterical and, and terrified because their kid was, um, doing something bad or into something bad or didn't want to come to church anymore. And I would always just say, Hey, like, just remember, like they're on their spiritual journey. Today is no indicator of tomorrow and tomorrow's no indicator mm-hmm. of a year from now. So just be patient in the process. Like we just have to be praying for them, do everything we can to, you know, get them back um, and whatever role we do play in that. But ultimately, uh, that control and that release, it, it just, we have to, well, we have to release control is what I'm trying to say. Um, mm. You know, I just think that I came to a realization. I had a student probably two years ago who I went through hell and high water with. And um, it was the deepest, darkest, most intense uh, relationship I've ever had with a student because um, of the things she was going through and I thought I was helping her and I was pouring my life out for this kid, you know, because we tell ourselves that's our job. Um, and it was lie after lie after lie to me and it, you know, stung Mm. and it was hurtful. And I thought, man, I put my reputation on the line. I put, 
um, everything on the line for you. You know, there were even some things that she had lied about that I had to keep secret from her parents. And, you know, it was just a mess. And I remember thinking like, this isn't my job, you know, like I, at the end of the day, I'm not a social worker. I'm not a um, savior for every teenage problem that comes up. I'm a resource. Um, I'm their prayer warrior and I'm a spiritual mentor, but I'm not going to fix every kid that comes through this door. So when they do fail, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm, um, it's wounding for sure, especially for someone you care so much about. But I think the mindset for the long haul has to be, this isn't a sin against me. You know what I mean? Mm. Like this isn't a sin against my leadership. This isn't a reflection of that. It's more, um, yeah, (laughs) people are broken. You know, you look at Jesus and his ministry and his disciples, and I mean, that's an ultimate betrayal, right? And it's like, was that reflective of Jesus was a horrible leader? Like, no, not at all. You know, people still have a choice at the end of the day, no matter what we pour into them. So um, for me, it was just the step back of, a, what is my role? I'm not like here to save the day for every kid. I can't. B, it's part of their spiritual journey. Um, and I have to just be at peace and okay with that, you know? Yeah. Um, and the bigger we've gotten too, I feel like the easier that's been for me um, because uh, my role changes as well. But it's still, yeah. it's 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 never easy. That Chad and I were talking about, a little bit on the pre-show is, is it necessary to have some failure? Like is, is part of the necessary having some successful students, meaning that we also probably have some, some failures as well. Like Higgins way, way in a little bit. Cause I think you were like, kind of like really rocking with the idea that like uh, to have one is to have the other, right? Like, like the part, a part of like pouring into students means that for, for all of the James and Johns, you're going to have the Judases. <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, so uh, I'll answer kind of both those questions that we were talking about. One, I, I think the question that we always ask when we start having emotions, right? When when a student fails and those emotions arise, I, I think the the simple like heart indicator question that we should ask is: Are my emotions about me or them? Right, like. Am I upset because how this makes me feel, right? Mm. Or am I broken because it breaks my heart because I care for that student? Mm. And I think it's real easy at the longer that we've been in student ministry that if we're not careful, we start to put up these like walls, right? Mm. Like we become solely administrative. We understand that we're going to have these students for seven years, right? And some of them are going to, you know, fail, and some of them we're going to see at quote unquote success in and three hundred Sundays, um, yeah, 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 right. And, you know, I, I think understanding that we probably need to view this way down the road, all those kind of things, um, is helpful. But ultimately, like as we pour out ourselves, right. Um, our emotions, our time, all of those kind of things are invested in students. Um, and there are going to be some of them that walk away. Um, but the more that we invest in, we also have 
these Peters, these Johns, right? Like the ones that we look at of going, they do understand, they do get it, and they're they're continuing on this faithful walk. Um, but but I think that it should the risk of failure of a student should never slow us down. Shouldn't hedge our bets. <laughs> right. So um, is this, is this the like scatter more seed? So like maybe, maybe everybody gets a little bit less, but it's in more locations. So maybe we still get a little bit of growth. <laughs> so he, here's my question that I'd love to hear you guys' thoughts on. So you're investing in your student ministries. You get wind of one of your core students who's done something that you know, like, hey, there's, we need to have a conversation or whatever. How do you guys handle that? Zach Workin. No, no, no. (laughs) No, no. Zach Workin, I want to hear from you. How do you handle it? it? Pass the question. I pass it on to Kristen. Pass the question to Kristen Lascala. So my tendency is to often like let it play out a little bit longer which is sometimes helpful. Sometimes not. It, it, it's worked just enough times that I can use it as a defense mechanism and not as like a proactive mechanism. Mm, You're like, wait, maybe this is going to straighten itself out. Well, maybe, maybe they just had like, or they'll come to you. No, no, they won't come to me, but like maybe, maybe they showed up to that party that one time because they, they wanted to like do that. And and not because they like, that's not who they are. They just, you know, it was like a rough weekend or (laughs) or whatever. Uh, man, like, I I think it's like a lot of other things we talk about expectations are best dealt with on the other side, on the ways in which we present them on the front side. So I, I think, I think first and foremost, if it's the student who is like a part of the leadership team, it's an easier conversation. Cause it's like, Hey, we talked about this on the front end and I'm hearing about stuff now. Let's talk about it. Man, that the student who is like the attender, who's core, who's visible, but maybe not present. Man, that's just sometimes it's heartbreaking because sometimes when you go to them, you'll be surprised. And it was like they were hoping you would come. Right. I think I think sometimes we have to know that, like, maybe they were hoping that someone would ask them why they weren't doing so well or why things had led them to this point. Uh, other times, and this is a weird statement. This is a weird statement. Some of them were hoping to get caught. I think, I think I've worked with students long enough to say that some of them were hoping that someone would call them out on it because they were never going to call themselves out on it. I, I don't know if that always promotes like the most transformative like outcome. Uh, but I think for some of them, like they were hoping the conversation was going to come up. And then for others, like, I mean, they were never your kid in the first place. And if they were on the way out and you lose them because you had the tough conversation, I th- I think you just have to know, right? Like, I think you just have to know that, uh, you, you would much rather, most likely rather have the conversation about it than not have it at all. Um, I don't know. I, I feel, I feel like, uh, it's, it's probably something that you should, schedule and have instead of you know back talking with your volunteers about ad nauseum so don't do that uh but Kristen Lascola yeah I think one thing is like I feel like a lot of the confrontation piece depends on the relationship with them and so like our core students like we will have a relationship with so confrontation there um tends to be 
well, harder, easier, depending on how you look at it. Sometimes it's easier to confront someone you don't know sometimes, you know, depending on who you are. But um, I feel like the responsibility to confront my leadership kids and then you know, the way that we structure our ministry, we do most of our ministry through um, small groups. And Mm. so what it comes down to a lot is I tell my small group leaders, like, you know, there's no way I can know what's going on with 150 kids, like in their life and what they're struggling with and the failures they had this weekend. But um as long as we're doing small groups, every single person is known. So I put a lot of that in the hands mm-hmm. of my small group leaders. I have a staff of 20 who are incredible at leading um, their small groups, caring for their students, contacting their students each week, going to their games, going to their performances. And those are the people who do life with them. I do life a little more with my um student leadership or student discipleship team, depending how you, you know, term it. But, um, you know, I always tell my small group leaders, if something's going on with a student, um, keep me in the loop. I need to know, you know, what's going on if we need to make a phone call to a parent or if this is just a conversation between us and a kid. Um, How how much in the loop are you kept? Like, is it one of those that they have like monthly check-ins or is it just as things arise? So we meet every... um, our program night's Tuesday. So we meet every Tuesday before program. And that's our time where if they want to bring it up in the public setting, I say, all right, anything I need to know, anything going on with your students, anything we need to pray for. But if it's a more private conversation, they'll hang out after the meeting and say, Hey, you know, one of my students said this or that or whatever, what should we do? So -hmm. they're really good about coming to me and depending on what's going on, I'll either coach them on, Hey, ask them this or say that, or, you know, try to find out a little bit more about this. Um, or if it's something really serious, then we, um, I usually have them pass it off to me and I'll meet with that student one-on-one during small group time. So, um, you know, but when it comes to my student leaders, you know, I'm in charge of that team. That's kind of like my small group, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I, I confront them and I've had to confront them in the past. We had a couple girls who were smoking pot and they were on my student leadership team and I found out about it. And, you know, I don't know if I made the right call, the wrong call, but I had asked them to step down from student leadership and they, you know, were just irate with me. Their parents were irate with me. You know, it was Mm. just, and I said, I didn't say you couldn't come back to church. I just said, you can't be on my leadership team for a little (laughs) bit, you know? Um, But they never came back ever to church and to this day, you know, never saw them again. So... Um, I'm like, did I make the right call? Did I make the wrong call? Like, you know, I was gentle with it. I I wasn't like flying off the handle. But, you know, confrontation is really sticky. And especially, you know, with how their parents respond too. like their parents didn't care that they were smoking weed and thought I was really um, too legalistic to tell them that they couldn't be a part of my leadership team anymore, that it was like not a big deal. And we could have moved on from this. And you know, which just floored me. So, um, you know, sometimes you hit a no win situation. Like I, to this day, I don't really know what was best in that situation. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I do, I trust a lot of, of knowing the pulse of each student with my small group leaders. Um, and, and, you know, they do a good job. I think they know the difference, a lot of them, of when to bring me in and when it's something that they can um, confront on their own. 
Yeah. I, I think a lot of this, and, and Chris, I think you hit it, but I, I just want to reemphasize, I think so much of this conversation is about relationship. Yeah. Whether that's had with our small group leaders or with us individually with the students. But when a student fails in in that way, um, do we have the relationship with them, right? To call them out on something. Do we have that authority in their life? Do they see that in us, the way that we carry ourselves, the way that we interact with them, all of those kind of ways? Every time I think of this kind of story, I think of my own experience as a high school student. And I, I think I've shared this story before, but I think it's so important. I had a youth pastor who his thing was every time like there was something that he heard from one of the students and he had to have like a serious conversation, the the phrase was always like, hey, let's go to Sonic and, and get a drink. Yeah. And you knew that if Scott asked you to go to Sonic to get a drink, you're like – my life is over, right? Like he, he's going to call, <laughs> yeah, he's going to call me out. Uh, but here's the deal. Anytime he called you and you wanted to, you wanted to go get a Sonic drink, there was, there was never like a run from it because it was like, I knew that he cared. Yeah. And when, so like my s- senior year, like I, I did, and I won't go into it. I did some stupid stuff. And he found out about it and he calls me and it was not like, Hey, let's go to Sonic and get a drink. He called me. I was like, Hey, can we go to dinner tonight? And I was like, he's going to shoot me. Like it's <laughs> elevated from Sonic. Shoot it up. <laughs> like it's, it's so bad that there's a Scott meal. It doesn't come back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, but, but here's the thing, man, like we sat down at that table and he just asked me about it, yeah. right? Like he asked me what was going on. And even more than like the instance, he asked me why. Yeah. And I think as a youth minister, us asking students like why they've chosen that, I think that's a powerful thing for a student, right? Because right. I think for a lot of students, they're still very much reactionary, right? Yeah. And a lot of things that we're thinking that students fall into, when you ask them why, they might may not even know, yeah. right? But helping them like unpack, like, why do you want to go to that party? Right. You know what I mean? Like, well, and I, and I think I think just just to echo what you're saying, Chad, like, youth pastor, you're not responsible for their choices or their consequences. Like you, you are, you are there because of your calling to minister to the young people in your church, that in that network, in your relationship, in that community, like you, and this goes back to what Kristen was saying. Like we are not rule number one in youth ministry is you can't save or fix anybody. That's not your job. Your job is not the fixing and the saving business. It's, it's the conversations, it's the listening, it's the encouragement, it's the mentor, it's the resource, it's the guide. Like you are not responsible for their choices, but what what Scott did for Chad, you could have the conversation and ask him about their motives, which nobody else may be asking. I mean, everybody else is just judging their choices and their consequences. Like you are invested in them, but you're not their parent. You're not responsible for their, their choices or consequences. I mean, they are responsible for their choices and consequences. We're just there to ask, like, what's going on? How can we counsel? How can we guide? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think ultimately like, 
they start to see us in a different light. Yeah. Our our disappointment is not our own. It it's sadness for the 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 destruction they're walking towards, right? Or that yeah. we can see. Yeah. And and so I think for us, like it's um it's not like shoving their face into it, but it's it's letting them know that we we care yeah. and we're there. And 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 I think too, one of the things that I've found over the years is when students fail. If we don't have that great relationship with them, oftentimes they'll feel shame that we found out. Yeah. And then they'll want to distance themselves from us. Yeah. Right. And, and I think like, that is, that's why the conversation has to happen is that like some, sometimes when they're running away, they're asking to be pursued. Like they, they, they don't know how to say that, but they, they want someone to chase after them. And I, there's great biblical texts that go with that. And you can't always chase them all down. You can't pursue them all. Uh, and some that don't want to be pursued, you shouldn't. But there are some that because of their relationship and the shame they might feel and the sin they might carry are afraid to come back to you. Uh, so don't let the fail forge some kind of distance between them when they were just looking for their minister, their pastor to invite them back home. Right. I, I think there's a the great biblical principle, right, of yeah. going after them, right, yeah. and, and and chasing and chasing them, and let them know that that you love them and you care, and even if they never walk back in your youth facility, that you're there, yeah. right, um, and that you'd continue to to be willing to invest in them. I, I think they're worth it, right, and, and so I, I think they've got to understand that from us. Mm. Um, I think us taking ourself out of the equation and realizing like, this is like Kristen, you continue to say this is part of their journey. Yeah. The up and down is part of their journey and, and us walking alongside it, it is part of that as well of, of continuing to point them to Jesus in the midst of, you know, the mess uh, and then celebrating with them when we see, um, see them walking away from it. Right. And they were happy for them instead of, man, I'm sure glad you're not there anymore. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And that kind of attitude. Yeah. And I always like to remind students too, especially when I catch them, you know, in a lie to save themselves. I always say, you know, I, I'm not the police. I'm not your principal. I'm not going to ground you. Right. You know, it's so when you lie to me, I, I know you're um, afraid of how I'm going to feel toward you or, you know, but you don't have to be afraid of punishment because like you, I'm not your, <laughs> I'm not the authority who's going to like ground right. you for a week or whatever. I said, but when I ask you things and I said, it's because I want the best for you. You know, I had a student the other day who I was having a hard time getting him to go into a small group Um and I said, you know, I ask you to do this because I just genuinely want the best for you. I'm not mad at you that you're like hanging out in the sound booth instead of going into your small group. I'm I'm persistent because I think that's what's best for you. And, and that's my goal is what is mm. best for you. Mm. I said, but if you don't go, I'm not going to have you arrested. You know, like you don't have to be afraid. It's more just you have to know where I'm coming from. And I think when students know also um, what our motivation for having the conversation is, it's not like, let me find the dirt so I can tell your parents or get right. you into trouble or have you punished or what kind of consequence, or maybe you're not going to come back 
back to youth group, you know, but when they know our motivation is, um, you know, like Chad, you were saying they're worth it. And, and that translates to value. It's like, well, you're valuable to me and I want the best for you. So I'm going to push a little bit here. Mm. Um, so I don't know. Sometimes that helps in certain situations, you know, um, but it's never easy. <laughs> well, and, and I think the, the reminder is maybe this is our ending note. It's the continuing importance of, of care for yourself as a minister. Uh, the work of youth ministry is super relational, which is super exciting and lots of fun and always a changing uh, atmosphere and always a challenge. Um, but it's very easy to pour yourself out so many times over and over that you're left with nothing. And then when we're left with nothing. We often do some of our worst work for both our students and on ourselves and our families. And so if you are at a place now where you're feeling super let down or super betrayed or super overwhelmed by students uh, that have, that have caused you harm or hurt or failed or chosen or opted out, um, the answer is not necessarily to try to get them all back into the fold immediately or to fix everything or to save everyone. But maybe take a moment and look at where you're at. And if you're leading from a place of health, um, because if if they're pursuing unhealthy things, uh, don't let them lead you to a place where you become unhealthy and are unable to lead them. And so um, the community of youth ministers uh, for each other, the community of peers, the community of those that would help care for each other, bolster each other, encourage each other is as vital to your ministry as the work you do in ministering to students. And so if you are at a place today where you are feeling burnt out or betrayed or let down by some students you really care about, cared about or care about, um, please know that that wound may scar, um, but there's also healing in the way in which it scars. And so, uh, Chad, Kristen, if we're going to wrap it up today, uh, how yeah, do you want to finish it I, off I would, for student leadership? I would month? just, yeah, I would just say this: if if you are feeling that way, reach out to one of us. I'd love to talk with you. Um, you can shoot me an email at chat at youthministrybooster dot com, um, and I would love to to connect with you, hear more about your story, and do whatever I can to help. All right, Kristen, Ditto. wrap us up, shut us down. How we doing? We do good today. Yeah. Hey. I don't know if we've ever said this, but I'm like, I'm like 20 weeks pregnant. What? I'm like halfway right. done. Baby t- baby tooch? <laughs> Did we ever say that on the air? I have pregnancy brain. I don't know, but I'm halfway oh. done. So <laughs> half yeah. baby. All right. Good. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Does that, does that mean exciting. that summer, summer baby? So uh, Chad, Chad and uh, Martha yeah. in June and uh, Kristen and Stanley Tucci when this, when, when this summer, what, what's the date? Yep, August, oh, August 19th. So too many babies. Too many. Well, if you are out there and you want to support the uh, ever-growing Youth Ministry Booster family, make sure to look us up online. Uh, we've got lots of kids <laughs> to feed around here. So uh, the next uh, family, the next company picnic is going to be a lot of fun with all the kids. It's going to be good. <laughs> the well, next one? Have we had a company picnic? That oh, you didn't get that? the invite? You, you are you guys out there eating chicken without me? <laughs> this will not stand! Oh, yeah. Yeah, we were down in Texas for the uh, the Dachshund run. Yeah, the Foxy Dachshund yeah, run. You yeah, you missed it. Time. Sorry, bud. Has that happened yet? No, we're uh, end of April. <laughs> end of April. Buda, Texas. Buda, Texas. Uh, if you're looking to hang out with Kristen LaScola and the other part of her life that's not youth ministry or youth ministry podcasting, hang out in Buda, Texas. Uh, it's going to be a little Dachshund run, a little uh, barbecue, you know, weenie dogs Don't say and little. Don't say yeah. little. This is a two-day event where we're expecting 30,000 no, the dogs people, are little. my the friend. Dogs are, the event's huge. The dogs Okay, are yeah, there you yeah, go. Yeah. If I were to look this up online, what is the website? Oh, my gosh. 
Oh my gosh, good question. Just Google Buda Dachshund races and see what you Buda, get. Buda Dachshund races. How do you races. spell Buda? B- you live in Texas. It's B-U- B-U-D-A, butter. It's butter. It's all butter. Did you just say I live in, in Texas? Texas? You should know. Miss California. Everything that's not California is just one it's just big Texas to you, yeah. state. If it's not California, <laughs> it's the South. Yeah, great. Got it. Well, I love Texas. For listening. It's been fun times here on the podcast. And whether you caught this on YouTube, on Facebook Live, or in the ears of your podcast favorite listening places on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, or other places, uh, thanks a lot. We appreciate it. And we'll see you back in a couple weeks. Bye-bye. I know. I just personally, that would, even as a longtime Christian, that is the biggest, um, I would say like, okay, it's time to go. Like, cool. Like, thanks. Have fun with your feet. I'm leaving. (laughs) And I don't think Jesus was mad at that. I think he's like, yeah, you're right. I get it. I get it. upside down and I'm going to show you things you've never seen.